Listeners, thanks for joining us. Um, today we've got the second installment of Ula by Charlena Pucci. She is going to be here with us in just a little, well, not she, but her book will be up in just a minute. Before then, we're going to talk. And I've got something that I need to talk to you about. Okay, so I've seen this ad on Facebook. Inter- I'm being targeted for it. So it is a type of men's underwear. Me? And do what? Is it called me? No, I don't think so. It starts with the S. It sounds, it looks like shiny or something. Okay. But on the inside, it's got this little like flap for you to put your balls in hmm. when you put your boxers on. I don't know. I don't know why I keep seeing these videos, but I kept seeing them. Like, you know what? I'm going to order a pair. This will be fun. Why not? Fuck it. Have you got them yet? Yes. So that I order a plain blue pair. They have they have a couple of different designs you can choose from. They had like um they like Halloween ones and stuff, but I just got like a basic color. But you know, they they had a lot of really nice reviews. And so, but yeah, it's they're just like regular boxers, but there's like this little soft material on the inside that like go you, your balls go in, I guess, when you put it on. So it keeps it like away from your thighs. And I thought maybe that's comfortable. I don't know. Like Let's just try it out. So I order the pair and they have this thing where you can add on a mystery pair for for half off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's hilarious. Let's yeah. throw in a mystery pair. This will be fun. They come in the mail today and my daughter checks the mail because she had something coming in for part of her costume for Halloween. So she went out and checked the mail. She comes on and she's like, oh, this and this. And I was like, oh, there's an underwear order for dad. I was like, let's look. There's a mystery pair. Let me show you. So open up the first pair, blue, awesome, love it. I was they're super silky soft, and I was like, that's incredible. This is the second one I open up, and I'm like, what is this? And I was like, is that a fire hydrant? Looks like a condom. That's exactly what it is. Looks like little cartoon condoms. It is cartoon condoms with cum leaking out of them. <laughs> Your sweet little mind. Isn't that fire hydrant? <laughs> And I'm thinking this as my 10-year-old standing next to me. And I immediately was like, put it back in the bag. Oh, look, we've got a letter from Grandma. (laughs) I just changed the subject. Like, do you want to see the power bill? Look at how much this is. (laughs) Actually, it's not shocking you didn't know what a condom was. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Kevin said. He was like, I can't remember the last time I saw one of those. (laughs) I was like, me neither. But honestly, like, in what world is that, like, did, like if I have, would have gotten another cartoon pair, maybe, I could see, like, matching that up. But they're huge. Maybe they're at the factory somewhere. They're just like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Just reach and grab and throw. We're just grabbing and throwing, guys. It's like the Lululemon, where they're just making random-ass shit. <laughs> yeah. LuLaRoe. LuLaRoe's. <laughs> yes. Yes. I could see LuLaRoe making those cartoon <laughs> condoms with cum. The cum is the worst part. Ah. Like, what is that? What is that? The condom's not working. It's <laughs> <laughs> so I just like, I just put it back in the bag and I was like, I'll let him handle that if he wants to wear these or not. I'm, I'm immediately turned off now because that's just not something I'm used to anymore. <laughs> I ordered from online Facebook 
from a place for man's underwear and it was called me undies oh yeah yeah yeah. do you like them i can't it was forever ago i just remember they came in the mail and rob like did a double take because he thought somebody sent my panties in the mail and it said mel undies like they labeled it <laughs> mel undies, and somebody sent me my panties. yeah yeah melissa's undies <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. So that was our little fiasco today. So, but I'll let you know how they go. I'm, I'd love to give a review on this product. I think it's excellent marketing though, because I'm usually the one that buys his underwear. Yeah. So like, if you're going to market anybody, it's going to be me. Like most men's products, I feel like should be marketed to women because they're almost always the women, but it's the women that buy them. Yeah. I think. I don't know. So this past weekend, uh, the great British baking show is on and I get so obsessed with it because I get so hungry while I watch it. And I sent you a picture of it. Did I, did I send you a picture of the key lime cheesecake I made? I don't think you sent me. I knew you were making one. Holy fuck. It was so, we ate it like that night. Like there's no trace that it ever happened. <laughs> it was so fucking good. And I'm already thinking about this week, like what I'm going to make again. There's you know not what? a cheesecake it's- I don't like. The Cheesecake Factory, the pumpkin cheesecake, I'll be back in stock now. God, it's so good. They have the best pumpkin pumpkin. cheesecake. Fuck yeah, they do. Damn it. I'm supposed to go to Costco tomorrow. I should, like, do it and go to the Cheesecake Factory and get some fucking cheesecake. I've never met one I didn't like. Even shitty, like, Jell-O cheesecake, I'll eat it. I will, I had this homemade cheesecake one time, and I, listen, I'd had a lot to drink. But it was probably the best cheesecake I'd ever eaten because inside of it was like little pieces of like praline, Mm. like, like it was scattered throughout like these sweet, crunchy, sugary pieces in the cheesecake with a praline crust on it. And it had like caramel on the top, but it was like the thick, fluffy, like Mm -hmm. bomb ass cheesecake. Like this wasn't like a, oh, we're just throwing cheesecake. No, this is a professional cheesecake. (laughs) This shit was so good. That's what that's the kind of cheesecake I'm after. Is a professional. You're making me hungry now. This is the problem with that show. Is I can't stop fucking eating. That's why I stopped watching Gordon Ramsay. I can't watch that shit. I get so hungry. I'm so hungry. I just ate dinner. I made fried green tomatoes. They were delicious. All right. I've got some lady listener emails today. I've actually got a lot, so we're probably gonna have to save some of these for next week. I just went through and we had gotten several, and I just printed off several. So somebody sent us one the other day and I actually made a TikTok about this. So if you want to know more, you can go, well, you're going to hear it now. But if you want to follow us on TikTok, it's Alexa Riley author. So go forth. Um, what is a safe romance? Hi, lovely ladies. I was listening to the chat before Breath of Fire. And you ladies are talking about hard limits and safe romance. I heard the word safe be used in romance. I hear the word safe be used in romance all the time and was wondering, what does it mean? What are some characteristics of a safe romance? What are things that wouldn't be included in a safe romance? I've been reading romance for years, but I haven't heard that word until a few years ago, but I'm not sure what it means. Maybe it's a weird, complicated question, but I thought I'd ask. Thanks for reading. Hey. It's actually super simple. It's the hero and heroine aren't with anybody else after meeting. Yep. I think that um, there's no cheating, no other women, no other men. Once the hero and heroine meet, even if they're not romantically involved right away, once they meet, there is never anyone else. They don't touch anyone else. They don't go after anyone else, whatever. Yep. So that's considered 100% safe. 
So like, even if a man and a woman meet and like, they're not immediately together insta love, maybe if they become friends and they grow to become lovers or whatever, that's fine. That's still safe. As long as neither one of them has done it. Yeah. With other people. And so sometimes it's hard to find a book like that if they're like friends to lovers. Yeah. If it's friends to lovers or if they're young love and they get together later in life. So like it's, that's really hard. That's such a specific thing to find in romance that spans decades. Yeah. So, but marking something safe will indicate that for you. So if that's something that is really important to you, you're very, very particular, look for that safe or no OW, no OM, like no other woman drama, no other man drama. Some I've seen OW and OM marked yeah. on that. So there's also safe with exceptions, which is, let's say, I'm not, I think I even said on TikTok, for example, if the man has a girlfriend and then he meets this woman that is the love of his life, his true love, he breaks up with his girlfriend and goes after the true love and he never touches, kisses, anything else with the girlfriend ever again so that would be safe with exception and sometimes the safe exception can get tricky for things like when Mm -hmm. it's like the older brother's best friend and he only seen her like when she was like eight and nine and then it's like 10 years later and they see each other again Mm -hmm. of course he's probably with other people but he didn't even look at her as a woman he hasn't seen her and now she's 18 yeah exactly so again that's like safe with exceptions so the exceptions might be something that will still trigger you um, or might not be, or they might be something like, oh no, that's totally fine. Like we were talking about with Trelina's book, for example, this book is completely, book one, 100% safe, totally safe. Um, Book two in it, from what I've been told, and it comes out today, that there is a safe with exceptions. But I think even when I mentioned it to you, Mel, you were like, I would still read that based on what you're telling me. That doesn't bother me. Yeah. Because I actually lean harder on the men than I do the women. Yep. 100%. So I'm like, what was he doing? And That's, if they're like, that was my question too. What was he doing? If he wasn't doing shit, I'm like, all right, let's see what we got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I'm so easily, I'm so much easier to forgive a woman in a situation like that. Because normally there's a reason when it's a woman, there's a very particular reason that this has happened. It's not like she's flippant or she's not into it. Like there's something that's happened yeah. that sort of pushed this hand. So those are considered safe and safe with exceptions. Um, I think that was all the questions answered on here. Um, what are things that wouldn't be included in a safe romance? Um, cheating. <laughs> Any sort of cheating on that. Um, what are some characteristics of a safe romance? The same thing. It's It's a pretty basic term on it, but Again, it's something if you don't know that, how would you know? Yeah. You know, if you didn't know that's the kind of romance you want, like I didn't know for the longest time. I was just like, I like a really specific kind of book. I didn't know what to label it. But if you know that, you can go on Goodreads and there's a million shelves dedicated to safe reads. Yeah. Which is great. So, because that's all I like to read. This says two discussion questions. Hey ladies, I wanted to write in and say that you are doing awesome. I still love, still loving the podcast. While listening, I wondered about two things. How do you come up with a pen name? Like how did Leah and Mel become Alexa Riley? Did you know any other authors' stories and how they got their pen names? Is it like your stripper name? Name of your first pet followed by the name of the street you grew up on. Mine is Brooklyn Mirage, by the way. <laughs> if you write with another author, that was... Sorry. Excuse me. Second question. If you write with another author, 
What if you don't agree? What if you want to take a story in a different direction? How do you handle clashing personalities or creative differences? About to go fuck my day up. Hey. <laughs> so we'll start with question one. How do you come up with a pen name? Alexa Riley, we came up with that. It's sort of a variation on maiden names. Um, Alexa is part of my maiden name. And then Riley was sort Riley of Riley is my maiden name. No, well, it's not your maiden name, but it was like. Riley a, is my husband's last given name, I guess. Would it be his? His maiden name. Yep. His, it's my husband's maiden name because my yep. husband had his name changed to my last name. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it it's a variation of that. That was how we came up with Alexa Riley. I think but, a lot um, of people seem to do that when I've heard other people's. Yeah. I think, you know, I've seen a couple of people that, like, yeah, they'll take a variation of their main name or they'll do, like, their first name. Um, they'll, like, use that for a last name or, you know, around that around that way. So I think it just really depends on what you're comfortable with. You know, if you're okay using your real name. Some people just use something that sounds clever and pretty, like, I mean, and that's fun too. It's whatever you want to use. Um, if you do write with another author, what if you don't agree? What if you take a story in a different direction? How do you handle creative clashing personalities and creative differences? Well, I wouldn't write with a clashing personality. <laughs> no, that would be really hard. That would be really yeah. hard. I think um, if you, you know, if you write with someone and you do have a clashing personality or you creative differences, maybe not even clashing personalities, maybe you just both see the story going in a different direction. And maybe that's not the story you need to write together. You know, yeah. it's a great idea. But if you can't do it fluidly together, then that's not your story. There's so many more you can come up with. Do something else. Yeah. And I think we just, we write so many stories that you can do that variation of the story next, next time. time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you I, share a brain and you come up with the same answer. Yeah. But yeah. No, I totally agree. Like there has to be give and take. And you know, a friend of mine, actually, we were talking about this the other day. And he said, I don't know how you do it because he said anytime that I'll think about writing something and then having his partner read it he said I immediately get angry if I think of him suggesting something different and I said I think maybe that comes with practice like but you have to be able to check your ego I think that's yeah. a, a big part of it is knowing that like when you go to write a story your idea is not the best idea and maybe this person has better feedback to make your idea better. So if you go into this, you know, defensive, it's and not going to. Yeah. And sometimes you have to step back and think, what do you think the readers are going to want? Yeah. You yeah. just kind of step back. You're like, okay, they're probably not going to like that too much. Maybe mm -hmm. we should change that a little bit. Even if you yeah. thought it could kind of go mm -hmm. that way, but you're, you're thinking about what other people would want to read as well or be yeah. a reader. And sometimes what you think is hot is not what somebody else thinks is hot. I think calling a fat pussy is hot. <laughs> I think saying that is hot, but that turns off some people. Some people have a knee-jerk reaction to that. Some people are named Mel. <laughs> no, I think it's uh, I think it's important though is to just relax. You know, it's not like it's not that big a deal i don't know like yeah. maybe maybe it's just years of us honing this skill but it really is just being yeah. like oh I'm you don't like, like that change okay. it change it okay. yeah <laughs> exactly exactly and if you can't vibe with somebody enough to be like change it well it's cool whatever 
if you can't vibe with somebody on that level, then again, that's not your story or that's not your Writing partner. with my husband does not sound like something I really want to know. I would kick in my husband in the teeth if he was like, sex scene sounds weird. <laughs> like, you shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> All right. This says crazy sex story. Anonymous, please. <laughs> that's in the thing. I'll try not to say it. Hi, lady podcasters. Read Me Moments is the first podcast that I have listened to, and I am hooked. I love your conversations and being able to experience new authors. So under listener disclosure, I have a story I've been dying to tell someone. My husband thinks I'm crazy to send this in. This goes along with what you were talking about in this morning's podcast. I don't know what the morning podcast she's talking about. <laughs> we're having a Sunday afternoon delight. The baby was napping, and our big kids were involved in a movie. We used our baby gates as an early detection device. Mm. <laughs> if the kids are heading upstairs, they have to clang them open before they get to our room. I'm on all fours in our bed with my husband behind me. We have been trying anal play and he had gotten me to a medium sized jeweled butt plug for Christmas. And we had been using it a lot recently. Well, my ass was so inviting that he just wanted to go for it. So we got out of the loop and gave it a whirl. Neither of us were super impressed. We prefer the plug in my ass and in my pussy. He went to clean up and I got out the plug and we went back to when I got out the butt plug and we went back to playtime. Well, there's a reason you work your way up in size for anal play and not the other way around. I put the plug in and he starts to thrust and all of a sudden he goes, uh oh. And mm. stops. My ass sucked up the plug. <gasps> oh, God. Is this an ER story? He, he tried to get it out with his fingers, but just pushed it further in. <gasps> there was no way I was going to the ER for this. So I had him keep trying while I bared down. And then, oh, my God. Then the baby gate started to jiggle. Jesus Christ. Our five-year-old burst in and wanted to cuddle. My husband was hiding on the side of our bed and I had a blanket pulled over me. I was able, I was able to get her to go back downstairs. Then I went and sat in the bathroom for about 20 minutes to push the plug out. Not my best Sunday. Oh my God. I'm so relieved. Thanks ladies. Keep up the good work. Hey, Jesus. That was a whirlwind. Oh my God. I couldn't imagine my ass. One time we put one of those egg things in me and you know, it has the string that comes out. You're supposed to be able to put your, he put his finger in there and went to pull and it, popped the string popped off oh my god so he had to go dig it. and your your vagina at least is made to yeah like, it, something will come out eventually yeah and he could work his fingers and yeah, that uh -huh. like ass is so easily to work open that is like my worst nightmare something getting stuck in my butt not that i put a lot of things on my butt like it's not like it's happening all the time but it's still like that is a heavy concern wow the fear in that i would get i would break out in a cold sweat immediately and i'd be like this is how i end up on the i news. would have a panic attack i'm like okay oh, i'm just going to hospital i'm going i'm out of here yep do you know um i know someone who worked in an er and he was telling me about a time they had to do that they had to put a guy to sleep and they had to go in his ass 
and pull out it's a little squishy stress ball mm-hmm. like it was a little baseball and every time they would go to get it they would try to grab it and it was so slippery it would just go deeper and deeper and so they were like they kept trying to avoid surgery and this patient was like asleep and they were like what are we going to do so they get somebody in the room with the smallest hands to mm-hmm. go in and they finally retrieved it that way I just thought I would not want small hands that day <laughs> Oh I just can't God. get it. I wish I could do more with the ass play, but it is just painful. It's just, I know, mean, I can do ass play, but I can't do a full on dick. <laughs> you know what? Some, some things are just, you know, maybe they're just better thought of than <laughs> acted out. All right. This one says wedding. Uh, you asked for wedding stuff. So we got married on Friday the 13th. It was the only day in the next six months the preacher was available. LOL. We needed, well, needless to say, if we could beat those odds, we had it made. Other than me tripping on my dress and the best man losing the groom because <laughs> he was hiding in the car. To, he was hiding the getaway car. I don't know. Everything went off perfectly. And 40 years later, we are still together and happy. Not saying it was all perfect, but I would still marry him again in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, a highway patrol friend whisked up and he and we jumped in. He quickly carried us to our hidden vehicle in the next small town. Of course, the vehicle had been decorated and that family members were lined up behind him to follow. They had threatened to stay with us all night. Yeah, they were all blocked in. It was a fun day. What the hell? I need this entire story. Why were you in a quick why were you in a getaway I'm car confused. with the cops? Yeah, she like got away in a getaway car and then she emailed again and said, good grief, I forgot the most important part of the email. I love you and all your books. Thank you for everything that you do on the podcast. No. <laughs> okay, Ellen, you didn't say to say your name, but Ellen, if you're listening, I need you to go back to this email and explain Wait, why. Are they trying to stop it? I don't know. The groom, the. Well, they got the, married. She said 40 years later, they're still together. I know. She said the best man lost the groom. The groom was hiding the getaway car, but she said they had a highway patrolman take them to the getaway car so they could get out of town to go to the next town over. I don't know. I need the rest of the story. Sorry, Ellen. I've got more questions than answers with that Friday the 13th wedding. All right, let's do one more. Sierra Simone week. Oh my Lord. Let me start off by saying that I absolutely love this podcast. I've been a big fan of you ladies for years now. I love you. Dear Lord, forgive me when I'm about to confess. Oh God. Ooh, I'm ready. Oh God. I actually had sex. I hope the it's park. the rest of Ellen's story. No, I'm just <laughs> it's definitely not. <laughs> I'm going to look up her. I'm going to go back and search her name. I actually, all right. So this says, Dear Lord, forgive me when I'm about to confess. I actually had sex in the parking lot of my church with people walking outside. Please don't hate me. Oh, I don't hate you, girl. Oh, my husband and I were dating at the time. We were teenagers and we used to go to church church school on Sundays to finish off our holy sacraments. <laughs> One day we were extremely horny and decided to make out in the car while we waited for class to start. Things got hot and heavy pretty quick after our makeout session. We moved to the back seat of the car. Thank God the windows were dark. It was during spring, so it was not so hot in L.A. yet. Anyway, um, anyways, we kept making out and taking off our clothes. He climbed on top of me, and we started to get it on. Let me tell you, it was the it was one of the hottest experiences I've ever had. 
Just the thought of getting caught in the parking lot from our church shaking my head. <laughs> Up to this day, I am not even sure if someone saw the car moving because there was no slow lovemaking in that. <laughs> he was literally fucking my brains out. <laughs> Thank you for creating this podcast, Jay. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, let's talk about Trelina before we let you guys get the second installment. I know I mentioned it on Tuesday's episode, but make sure you enter this week's giveaway. She's doing a $50 gift card, so make sure you sign up for the newsletter. That's how you enter to win. Um, just like Heaven is the book that I talked about, that's the Romeo and Juliet retelling. You can get an excerpt of that, like a bonus part, um, or I think it's like maybe the first chapter on her website, TrelinaPucci.com. Um, she also has signed paperbacks and merchandise on her website. So, um, make sure you get those. And then today is the day that sinning like hell comes out. If she does not push back this pre-order, she was talking to me the other day and they are like scrambling to get the last couple of chapters in and edited before it goes live. So fingers crossed, hopefully it's out today. I'll make sure all of these links are in the show notes for you guys. Definitely. So if you need it, just swipe up, hit the show notes, and you can see all of this good stuff we've talked about. So, all right, let's give them the second installment of Ooh La La. All right, we'll see you guys on the other side. Sunday. Her hand wraps around my forearm as she stands from the car. I rented a cherry red two-seater to bring us to the next town over. Donovan looks like a vision wearing a knee-length black form-fitted dress with sky-high heels. The day's our last day here in the villages before we head into Paris. I almost brought up staying in our saint Seigneury, but I know she wants to get a good Eiffel Tower picture for the gram, and I won't deny her anything. Tell me again where we're going and why I needed to get all dressed up? I laugh, looking down at the heels set against the cobblestone. Come here, before you break your damn leg. I sweep her up like a bride, and she giggles, wrapping her arms around my neck. Donovan's eyes stay on me, unworried about any attention. We're having a picnic at dusk. I stop in front of a shop window, looking for the street I'm supposed to take, one that leads to a vineyard behind this court. I didn't want to drive up to the surprise, I wanted to be more unexpected, so I parked a block over. I got dressed up for a picnic? Yes, I grinned down at her. And you're wearing a suit for a picnic? I am. She jiggles her arms, tugging on my neck to make me look at her. Are you completely ignorant as to what a picnic is? I laugh again, ignoring her and walk over the uneven street past two more old buildings, until the road becomes more dirt than rock and grapevines weave over walls. We round the corner, the sun shining past the walls to an open field. I jerk my chin for her to look. Stop complaining and pay attention, Cherry. Her head shifts and she gasps, tensing in my arms. I'm smiling like I've won the lottery, but it kind of feels like I have. No way, she breathes out, covering her mouth as I set her to the ground. I lean in behind her to her ear and whisper, yes way. Gray, 
She glances over her shoulder, picking at the only bracelet she wears, the gray one. The sound of air whooshing fills the sky as the hot air balloon is readied. Surprise, we're having a picnic in the sky, overlooking French vineyards at sunset. A bit cliche, but that just means the romance works. She turns to face me, palms on my chest, and I ask the only question I care about. Are you happy? Beyond. She places a hand on my shoulder, lifting her foot and removing her shoe. I hold her waist, helping to steady her as she does the other. With a quick peck to my lips, Donovan turns around and walks through the tall grass barefoot. I watch, instead of following, enjoying her happiness. Her hands trail over the tall grass as she glances back over her shoulder, bottom lip between her teeth. This fucking girl. We make our way to the balloon, the host meeting us, opening the basket door. Welcome, he says in thick, accented English. Donovan claps her hands, jumping in place as I laugh and speak with our attendant in French. I can't help but steal glances at her, watching as she walks inside the sizable woven basket and looks inside the boxes of treats I've arranged. Our guide goes over the float plan, confirming what I arranged, as a thunderous crack sounds through the sky, making both of us look up. Meld, you know how it can be in springtime. Perhaps it will be fine. Shit. Fuck you, French weather. Was that thunder? Donovan questions as I'm already resigned to the inevitable. I look to her, feeling the first drop of rain we've had since arriving. The guide waves for Donovan to exit. C'est la vie. Come, girl. But she looks at me with those eyes and that sad face, making me wish I had the ability to change the weather. My arm extends, her palm slipping into mine, as I help her from the basket. She has no idea how disappointed I am. I'm sorry, but we can't be up there with the rain, thunder, and maybe lightning. Forgive me? Her bottom lip pokes out, but then she grins. It's not your fault. You'll just have to book it for the summer, when we come back. Deal. I lean down and kiss her, sweet and tender, taking my time to relish her lips. We break away and our host hands me the basket I'd arranged. Rain begins to trickle as I take her by the hand, leading her back out the way we came. We're no further than twenty feet when another crack of thunder fills our ears and brings with it a torrential downpour. Oh my god, she rasps, laughing as I drop the basket, shrugging off my black suit jacket. Use this. I toss it her way, running my hand through my already wet hair. I pick up the picnic basket and retake her hand as she holds my jacket above herself. We're laughing as we run back through the field. I'm soaked in my white dress shirt and she's barefoot. Puddles splash underfoot as we run across the street, back into the courtyard with the shops. Oh no, Gray, the car! She points as I pull her under a dry spot provided by the overhang in front of a store door. 
Our car is its own disaster, seeing as it's a convertible and we had the top down. Donovan lowers my jacket, wiping her face. We're crammed into this small area, looking at each other with matching smiles. I lift my thumb to her face, wiping the mascara from under her eyes and wanting to kiss her. I must look like a mess. You've never been more beautiful. I'm about to lean down to kiss my girl when chimes sound and the door at my back opens. S'il vous plaît, entrez. An older, silver-haired woman urges, holding the door open. Je vous remercie, I smile, ushering Donovan inside. The lights are dimmed, but not out, and it makes the place look closed. The woman motions for us to sit on some plastic chair she has by the front. Donovan smiles as the woman takes her hand, patting them. Belle fille. Vous êtes très chanceux. Achetez quelque chose de sec à cette fille, oui? Beautiful girl, you're very lucky. Buy this girl something dry, yes. Kind and shrewd. I like this lady. I look around, realizing it's a second-hand clothing store. When my head shifts back, Donovan's disappeared. Cherry? Here, she calls, standing over by the window. What got your attention? I ask, walking up next to her. She smiles at me, pointing to a dress in the window. It's a white dress with little suns on the bottom. I had a dress like this when I was twelve. My dad bought it for me at some vintage store and I cherished it. I brush her hair from her face. It looks like you. She turns her profile my way. Actually, I bought it because it reminded me of you. My head draws back. Me? She nods. She weaves her hand through mine. Yeah. Do you remember the last summer we had together before I left? How could I forget? I almost worked up the nerve to kiss her that summer. I do. She inhales, leaning her head on my chest. There was this moment. It's silly, but I thought you were going to kiss me. And it made my life. I must have written six pages in my diary about it. I'm staring down at her beautiful face, listening intently. You obviously didn't kiss me, but the possibility of you was enough. It felt like a glimpse of the sun. So you bought a dress with suns on it. Yep. I glance over my shoulder at the store clerk. The lights flicker, growing brighter as the rain subsides. The woman stares back at me, smiling. Avez-vous pris une décision? Have you made a decision? Oui, nous aimerons acheter cette robe. Yes, we'd like to buy this dress. The light from the day is gone. The rain has stopped, but there's still dampness in the air. Donovan changed into her new dress and bought some flats to go with it. She talked me into an old band t-shirt until I saw one that said Nintendo, so I grabbed it, and a pair of jeans and sneakers as well. We're walking hand in hand, eating some chocolates from another shop as people begin to fill up the court. Where is everyone coming from? I laugh, looking around at the well-dressed crowd. Church, 
Donovan points to an aged steeple with a giggle. It's Easter Sunday, dummy. My brows knit together as she begins pulling me toward the crowd. Come on, let's go look at it. I bet it's gorgeous on the inside. Not my thing, Cherry, I grumble, popping another chocolate in my mouth. Oh, come on, it looks old and interesting. She glances back at me. Keep your mouth closed. I know there's a terrible joke already readied. I smirk, swallowing my dirty joke, and let her lead the way. We pass through the last few people exiting and stand on the steps looking up. It's old, for sure, but quaint. I bet it doesn't fit more than a hundred people. Can you imagine what these walls have seen? Donovan muses, placing her hand on the mossy stone as she stares up at the stained glass. Lots of death, I'm sure, I tease. Even more baptisms, she winks, walking further inside and making me follow. We walk past dark, wooden pews toward the front of the little chapel. An altar of sorts has a lavish display of flowers laid across, gifting the room with a floral musk. Donovan leans in, smelling a rose, blinking her blue eyes up at me. It's beautiful, don't you think? But I'm staring at her. I wouldn't know. She closes the space between us, her palm coming to my cheek. You didn't ask me today. I was going to, Cherry. I press my cheek into her hand. Will you say yes? You won't know unless you ask. My eyes lower to the cracked floor before I smile, giving a quiet laugh. Reaching into my pocket, I pull out the simple rose gold band that was hidden inside our picnic basket. A basket I left behind at that clothing store, but not before taking the most essential piece. I wanted to propose over a vineyard in the sky... I twist the ring between my fingers, staring down. I thought that maybe you'd finally say yes, because I did it right. Her eyes lock to mine as I look up. But that's not our story. We haven't done anything the right way. It took a million bad choices before I finally got you. I take her hand, slipping the band on her finger before I drop down to my knee. I've loved you since I was twelve, so it makes sense that I should ask you now, looking the way we do, because twelve-year-old me wanted to kiss you back then just as much as I want to every single day for the rest of my life. Donovan's twisting her band in circles around her finger, staring at me. If you don't like it, her finger shoots to my mouth. It's perfect. My eyes close, pressing a kiss to her finger before I stand. Be my wife, whenever you choose. Just let me be your forever. It's always been you, Donovan. Her thumb rubs across my cheek, wiping away the evidence of my vulnerability, but she still says nothing. A low rumble begins, voices echoing off the walls around us, D-we, D-we, say yes, say yes. 
A smile explodes onto her face as we look around, realizing our display caught the attention of the people in the court. People are now waiting inside the church for her answer, almost as desperately as I am. Say yes, I whisper. Her angelic face turns back to mine, arresting me with her eyes. We're a forever, Gray. Yes. We stood hand in hand in front of the town priest at a church neither of us attended and committed ourselves to one another. Donovan wore the white dress with the suns on it, and I had on my jeans and T-shirt. Twelve-year-old us got married in a small village in France, just us and two passers-by as witnesses. That was her choice, and it never made me happier. We never left the village, opting to stay. My wife preferred it, and I'll never deny her anything, including keeping our secret until we graduate. Are you ready? Donovan's smile is contagious as I take her hand, kissing the back of it. I am Cherry. She smiles up at me, and I hold the door, retaking her hand as we walk into the marriage licensing office to make our secret official in the state of New York. First, last, and only. The Crew Party Have you ever had a dream so real that even when you wake up it lingers, making you question everything? This dirty little short story is exactly that kind of dream. But the best part is that it's just what Liam Brooks needs, because Caroline Whitmore is the one that got away. But this Hillcrest charmer never makes the same mistake twice. You can find out how these enemies become lovers in Vicious Little Snakes. Caroline Whitmore is cunning inconsiderate and ruthless. Despite that, I can't recall a day that's gone by when I haven't thought about her at least once. On paper, we're a perfect match. Only on paper. In real life, we're a disaster. She hates me, hates the way I dress, everything I say, my basic existence. But what I hate is more complicated, because I'm a moth, to a gorgeous, petite, brunette flame. I hate that I still remember what she wore the day we sat together in sixth grade, and that I would move mountains for her smile. I hate every guy that gets too close, and that one of them gets to stay. I hate that I want her so bad that I used my best friend to make her jealous. But most of all, I hate that Caroline Whitmore is the one that got away. Liam My lips tip up into a smirk where I'm standing in the expansive marbled foyer of Gray's house. The noise grows louder from the outside of the glass double doors as shadowed forms near the entry, kicking the energy up a notch. Tonight's going down in the books as fucking epic. I watch through the glass, hands behind my back, as our rowdy crew team make their way up the outside steps 
as the heavy doors are pushed open in greeting by two stoic butlers. The guys playfully shove at each other as they enter, laughing and celebrating, dressed to the nines, complete with top hats, tails, and white gloves. It's the attire of the night. We may look like proper gentlemen, but we're far from it. Me, Gray, and Kai wait, amused, for the twenty or so of them to pay attention as they walk inside. Their mood is already revelrous, hinting at the fucking debauchery they anticipate, but as they gather in the foyer, eyes land on the three of us standing side by side, formidable, and a hush falls over the group. It's appropriate. That's the kind of respect we command and deserve. Tonight's a night that's been in the making since the beginning of the year. It's the last official night as a crew, as a brotherhood. We've rode with some of these guys all through high school, and if there's anything I've learned, it's that the guy who stands beside you now will be the same man who stands by your side later. This is how our world works. Tradition, legacies, and responsibility. And tonight, we're following one of the oldest traditions. The departing seniors welcome next year's crew and captains into the circle, a tie that will bind us for life and provide us with stories to tell over cigars and scotch for years to come. Some of tonight will be dignified and serious, but only some because even dressed in our finest, we'll do our worst, poker, booze, and girls, along with whatever other trouble we cook up. It's the night of all nights, and it begins now. Fellas, Kai's voice booms from my left. Welcome to the circle. The last night you get to act like complete fucking idiots, and it doesn't matter. Quiet laughter filters out amongst the guys but I don't crack a smile as Kai continues. Because next year, you will be responsible for carrying out what those before you accomplished. And we will hold you to that standard. It's the privilege that was given to us, the men before us, and so on. Gray steps forward and holds up his phone, waving it at them. But before the party begins, each one of you will turn in your phone. My eyes sweep over a few frowns as he continues. There could be a future president amongst us, after all. The last thing he'll need is a photo to surface from tonight. Howls and yells erupt from the group as I chuckle and glance over my shoulder, saying, Beauties! Calling out to the three scantily dressed girls with velvet sacks. I then let my voice raise over the ruckus, Put them in the bags, boys, and get ready for the fucking time of your life. Wet feet slap against the indoor deck as we run around the Olympic-sized pool to our designated table and take shots of whiskey. Shouts and clapping fill the space as I sloppily gulp mine back, glancing at the opposing side as they run toward their own table. Gray throws back the amber liquid and I shove his shoulder, already turning, gaining two steps ahead of him to dive back into the pool. There's a splash seconds behind me as I swim to our boat that's idly floating where we left it. Get in the fucking boat! 
I call out, laughing as I try to pull myself up and fail miserably. Fuck you, I'm trying! Gray yells back, laughing as hard as I am. My hand slips just as I pull myself up, and I sink quickly back into the water, too drunk and unwilling to keep at it. Nobody ever beats us, but I think tonight's their night. I'll do it alone, Gray growls, hooking his leg over the side and crawling in. Move, asshole, before I hit you with the oar. I smack the side of the boat, pushing myself away and floating on my back. Let's go, McAllister, don't let us down. Letting out a ceremonious howl, he digs in and begins rowing away. Our side of seniors goes wild, cheering him on as I backstroke, spitting water into the air. Because he's so far ahead of the other team, he decides to stand and take a drunken bow to the applause. It's a premature celebration because the boat tips and he falls in. Fucking loser, I yell. Laughter fills the room and the boys break out in song, holding up shot glasses, arms draped over various bikini-clad girls as I swim away back across the pool, coming to the edge. I raise my torso, straining the muscles in my arms, and turn to sit on the edge. My stomach hurts from the amount of laughing I've done, so I run my hand over my defined abs, just as a long set of legs draws my attention. The towel girl dangles the white fabric next to my shoulder, where beads of water drip down my bicep. I drag my gaze up the smooth, inviting stems, all the way up her tanned body to a set of muddy green eyes. My smirk meets her smile as I run my hand roughly over my shorn head, whipping the water off, staring at her pretty face. Thank you, I say, taking the towel and pausing for her name. Bridget, she smiles. Damn, girl. She's giving me the kind of smile that makes you an offer. One I think I might take her up on. Bridget. Mm. Sounds like a good girl's name. Is that what you are, baby? She bites her lip and gives a slight shake of her head. It's on. I reach for her ankle and trail my fingers lightly over her ankle bone. I've always loved that name. Tell me something b before the filthy thought leaves my lips, a set of icy blue eyes catches my attention from the doorway, right between Bridget's thighs. Caroline. Tell you what? is asked above my head, but I stay fixed on the vision between the tan thighs. Caroline looks pissed as she watches my hand trail up and down the leggy Brittany. Brandy? Fuck! Bridget. I give my head a little shake and lift my chin to shift my focus back to the chick my hands are on when Caroline presses and rolls those damn lips of hers, keeping my eyes right where they are. She doesn't do it to be sexy. She only does that when she wants to say something especially nasty and has to hold it in. Such a fucking little viper. I wonder what it'd be like to tame her. Whoa, 
That's definitely the booze talking, because the one thing I'm certain of is that Caroline Whitmore is a very bad idea. I'm drunk, and she's mean. That equals disaster. Her eyes narrow as she crosses her arms over her chest, and I smile. Something about pissing her off entertains me more than it should. If I didn't know any better, I might think Caroline hates me. Thank God for her pert nipples and squeeze-together thighs every time I speak, because that's what tells me different. Bridget's sweet voice cuts off my thoughts again. So, do you want to go somewhere? I mean, you only live once, right? My eyes finally lift as a smile broadens. Another time, baby. If I only live once, then I know exactly what I want to do tonight. I bring my lips to Bridget's thigh, laying a firm kiss and hearing her gasp just as Caroline turns sharply, her long brown hair slicing over her shoulder. But before I can register what I'm doing, the alcohol has me on my feet and moving, headed straight out of the pool room and gaining on the petite brunette. The towel I've wrapped around my waist loosens, hanging low like my swim trunks as I jog the last few steps. Caroline! My voice slightly echoes around the dimly lit cavernous hallway as I follow her around the corner toward the main part of the house. She glances over her shoulder but doesn't stop. Hold up, Care Bear. She spins, stopping me in my tracks with a wicked expression of disinterest. Do not call me that. How many more times do I need to repeat that particular direction, Liam? She's standing next to a deep alcove bathed in darkness, and something about the goddamn bite on her wicked tongue makes me want to back her into the dark to see if I can change that mean little tone. Oh, fuck, what am I doing? I can feel the worst ideas rooting themselves in my intention. Maybe if my head wasn't foggy with liquor, I'd be able to stop it, but right now, all my rational thoughts are being whittled down by her faux hatred. Sparring with Caroline is addictive. Hard to get girls are always the most fun, and Caroline is an impossible get. Even if you have her, you don't. Not that I want her. Do I? I don't take direction, I grin, stepping in closer to her. Her eyes roll as she starts to turn away, but I catch her wrist and give her a tug back toward me, settling my other hand on her waist. Stop! You'll get me all wet! I can't stop the smile on my lips as I speak, but it's met with a scoff. Play nice. I just wanted to say hi. Liar! Did your minimum wage hooker refuse to fall for your charm? She shrugs coolly. It's probably because you aren't charming. My eyes drag over her collarbone, catching her tongue sweeping over her glossy lips. How would you know? I've never tried it on you. She twists her wrist from my hold and glares at me. What do you want, Liam? My head tilts as I give her a crooked grin. Stop pretending you hate me, Care Bear. Let's be friends again. 
I'll even be charming. Pass. Damn, she's mean. My eyebrows raise, calling her bullshit, but she doubles down. I'm not pretending. What do you care how I feel anyway? I seem to remember you choosing that boho Euro trash Donovan. Oh, are you jealous? Do you want all my attention, Caroline? I say it teasing, pulling her hips into me, just trying to fuck with her. But I swear to God she blushes. What the fuck? What's even more shocking than the hue of her cheeks is that the idea's making my dick hard. No. Her voice is quiet, set against her soured expression as she tries to step back. She chose gray, eye level, pulling her back, this time even closer to my body, fixated on the damn blush. We stand staring at one another, searching for something, even though I don't even know what I'm looking for. Caroline's chest begins to rise and fall faster, her eyes locked on mine, while my hands feel as if they're going to burn a mark into her body. This moment, the electricity, it feels so charged that I can feel it in my veins. She tries for another step backward, but I hold her in place, zero apologies for my blatant pursuit. If I was smart, I'd stop, retreat, before I do something stupid. But we are way past that now. So what, I'm the leftovers? She scoffs, her small frame pressed against my hardening cock through the towel. I growl, letting my hand run up her waist, stopping directly under her breast. Are you asking me to eat you? Because I will. You're disgusting. I'm not fucking you, ever. Lies. She's looking at me like she's waiting for everything I want to do to her. What are you doing? Her voice is husky as I turn her body and push her back slowly into the dark alcove, hiding us away from prying eyes. My fingers knead into her waist as I lower to her ear, skimming my lips over her lobe and placing the only chaste kiss I'll give on her neck. The words I shouldn't speak drift out of my mouth, tinged in whiskey and soaked into her skin, making goosebumps bloom. You know exactly what I'm doing. I just said I want to taste you, Caroline. And I think we both know you want that too. No more games. You want to fuck me. I want to fuck you. She doesn't answer. But she doesn't move either. I lean back, letting my eyes drift over her, down past her nipples that are pushing against the silk of her thin-strapped tank, further down, stopping at her pussy. My tongue glides over my bottom lip involuntarily as I stare. I wonder if you taste like that expensive vanilla shit you bathe in. God, the idea makes me want to fucking drink you in. You're drunk. My eyes shift back to hers and she blinks quickly before I say, I am. For the first time in forever, Caroline actually looks nervous. 
She swallows down the last of her fake ass bravado, trying for one last pushback. What will everyone think? You fraternizing with the enemy. Not a good look for the Prince of Hillcrest. I nod, more so as an acknowledgement that there's no going back from this, and I'm fucking fine with it because her pussy is my only thought. Did you fuck yourself today? My question pops her eyes wide open and her mouth falls slightly agape. Answer me, Care Bear, did you fuck yourself today? Her mouth opens and closes, then opens again as I wait for my answer. Instead of speaking, she nods as her teeth sink into that luscious bottom lip. This time she's doing it in reaction to the feel of my hands that are gliding up and down her ribs. I grab her hand and lift it up to her face. Which finger? She stares at me her eyes going from shock to a wicked, sexy challenge. Caroline turns her hand around, bending all her fingers down, leaving the middle one up, effectively flipping me the bird. That's a dirty gesture for someone so fucking pristine. Her sly smirk is mesmerizing. You don't know me as well as you think, Liam. Then show me what I'm missing, Caroline. We stand in silence. Challenge issued, staring at one another. It feels like time slows, heightening each breath we take in unison. She brings her middle finger to my mouth, slowly running it over my lips before pulling it away and backing up against the wall. Her hand travels down her body, taking my gaze with her, disappearing inside the top of her flowy skirt. My own moves immediately to my dick, adjusting as I watch her head fall back with a soft inhale of breath, breaking the silence as her arm glides up and down. She's fucking herself, right here, for me to watch. It's the sexiest sight I've ever seen. With a sigh, she tugs her hand from where it's hidden and closes the distance between us. She's hazy, turned on, and perfect. My hand engulfs her wrist, jerking her forward quickly, pulling the glistening fingers to my mouth. I run my tongue up the inside of them, covering my mouth over and dragging them out from between my lips. Everything I'd hope she'd be. A deep groan rumbles in my throat as I reach down with my other hand, grabbing between her smooth thighs, bunching the material of her skirt and palming her wet pussy. She sucks in a breath as I lean in close to her face. I'm gonna fuck this. Now. We're hands and mouths crashing as I shove her forcefully back against the wall, her fingers drag up, tearing at her skirt, exposing herself as I grip her sides to lift her. Legs hook around my waist, making my towel fall as I hold her ass with one hand gripping tight. Reaching inside my trunks with my other hand, I tug my cock free, feeling her arm dip between our bodies to pull her panties to the side. We're animals. 
all need, no thought. Tell me you're on the fucking pill? Yes, she hisses as I thrust into the hilt, having to freeze in place. Fuck, you're tight. Her voice breaks through after being held in her throat. You sound surprised. Did you think I was a whore? Her nails dig into my bare back as her thighs squeeze my waist hard, and she lets out a breath as I pull out, only to shove inside her again, feeling my balls draw up. I don't care if you are, so long as you're my whore tonight. Stop talking. You're making me regret this. Regret what, baby? Shh. The idea of breaking that mean little spirit until she begs has my pace picking up. My hips rock, dipping my cock deep inside of her and dragging back out. Fuck me. I can't get deep enough or push in hard enough. I want more with every thrust. I free one of her ass cheeks, bringing my hand up to grab her hair at the nape of her neck, wanting to hold her in place so that I can pound out my release. Oh, God, she pants, and her voice makes my dick hurt from how much harder it gets. I want to hear her. Come on, Care, speak to me, regret it, say it. A shaky breath releases from between her lips. Shut up. Fuck, she feels good. Caroline paws at my back as I move faster, now gripping her ass with both hands as I fuck her against the wall for anyone to catch us or hear us. But I don't give a fuck. If anyone so much as got a glance, I'd bust their fucking face in, like an animal protecting their kill. This pussy is all mine to murder. She's fucking breathless, holding on to me like she'll never let go as I fuck her mercilessly. I can feel her warm walls tighten around me as her hips tilt forward desperately, matching each of my movements. Say it. Tell me what dirty shit you're letting me do to you. Our eyes lock as my hand darts up, cradling her face and holding her head in place. Our bodies rock faster and faster as my thumb swipes over her lips. She stares at me, never breaking eye contact, a sneer across that gorgeous fucking face. Her eyes challenge me to break her, but her body's already giving in. Fuck you, she whispers, her eyelashes beginning to flutter. Are you letting me use you, princess? Fuck your tight little hole and empty myself inside of you? Come on, baby, tell me you're my filthy little queen. Oh, my God. She shudders as her entire body tenses. Yes, I'm your filthy fucking queen. Use me, Liam. Holy shit. I bury my face in her neck, fucking her so hard against the wall that I'm scared I might put us through it. My hand weaves back in her hair as I listen to her pants of submission. The chance of yes and fuck me. This feeling is so fucking overwhelming that I think for a moment that I may lose consciousness. Oh fuck, 
Liam, I'm coming. Yeah, baby, that's it. Come all over my dick. Her entire body tenses as her teeth bite into my shoulder, marring the flesh but muffling her orgasm. She moans, and it elicits my own release from deep inside me. Fuck! We hold still, and my fingers dig into the soft flesh of her ass, the other hand brushing through her hair as I empty hot cum inside her. Caroline's mouth is suctioned onto me as we breathe harshly, coming down from our mutual high. I lift my lowered head, letting out a deep exhale, just as Caroline's face shoots up, locking eyes with me for a millisecond before a hard slap rings across my face. Motherfucker! My dick pulses inside her as I let my smirk grow. This never happened. Her voice is a command and a threat, but it's useless on me. The muscles in my jaw ripple against the sting as I speak. That couldn't have waited until I wasn't inside of you anymore? Don't remind me. She levels, pushing at my chest, forcing me to drop her to her feet. I tuck myself into my pants, not taking my eyes off her, and laugh quietly as she smooths her hair before stealing her spine. Her familiar mask slips firmly in place as she tries pushing past me, but I can't help but grab a fistful of her silk shirt across her stomach, forcing her back against the wall. Caroline slaps at my hand, but I lean in close to her lips, licking across them. Vanilla. Her eyes dart to mine as I pull back and continue. You taste just as good as you smell, Queenie. With all the force she possesses, she shoves my arm away from her before rushing away and not looking back. It doesn't matter, because now that I've had a taste, there's no fucking way I'm going without seconds. This has been Ooh La La Paris and The Crew Party. The Hillcrest Prep Series by Triliana Pucci. Read for you by Tom Hare. Welcome back. Hey. Thanks so much, Trilina, for joining us this week and sending us ooh la la. Up next, next week, we have with us Harlow Lane. I'm super excited. I've actually got all her stuff like up here and ready to go. My ex girlfriend's brother. That's the book we're going to be listening to next week. So I know, I super excited. I know, right? <laughs> I know. It's going to be great. So, all right. So we'll see you guys back here next week. All right. Tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind and read.